Hey, what up? It's Mark Carter. I'm the pastor of Fierce Church. Welcome to our podcast. I'm so pumped that you're able to join us today. I hope this encourages you, inspires you, strengthens you, gives you hope to keep pressing on. And it's my prayer that this sermon gives you a more expansive view of God's love for you. Enjoy the message. I like this church. I think I'm going to stick around for a while. I like you guys. Hey, um, today I want to talk to you about bringing your stuff to Jesus. Even when we have all of our stuff, our stuff is not enough. But when we give Jesus what we've got, he takes what we've got, and he creates more than we could ever do on our own. So we're starting this little two-week halftime series. And, you know, halftime, it's football season. Everybody's thinking about sports, especially Pastor Brandon. And... um. (laughs) And it reminds me of my first, like, significant lesson in sportsmanship. So picture this. I'm a 14-year-old freshman, okay? I'm on the wrestling team, and it's the first weekend where we go to a tournament, okay? These tournaments are, like, all day, okay? So you're going to play a lot. You're going to wrestle a lot of different uh, schools, okay? And so everybody's kind of like you're in brackets, and you move forward all day. And if you keep winning, you keep moving forward. Well, I lost my first two matches, and so I wasn't going anywhere, all right? But I'm there. And I'm like, well, gosh, I'm done. And I got a buddy, he's done too. And the whole team's going to be there all day. And so we're like, I'll tell you what we'll do. Let's just go, you know, it's kind of cold. You know, I don't know if you've seen what wrestling singlets look like, but they're essentially a onesie, okay? (laughs) With, you know, with short sleeves. And so, or no sleeves. So I don't want to be cold all day. It's already, you know, cold outside. So, hey, let's just go get in the shower, man. Let's get ready, you know. And then we'll, we'll, I guess we'll hang out all day. Maybe we'll go to the concession stand or whatever we're going to do. And so we do that. We get all ready, you know. We go up at the top of the bleachers. We're just like, oh, we're just hanging out. And the varsity coach comes to the bottom of the bleachers. Now, the varsity coach isn't even my coach. I just know he's the big dog, okay? He's the big guy. Mr. Tiffany. Called him Mr. Tiff. And he goes, you two, get down here. And I'm like, uh-oh. Now, I, you know, I'm used to being in a little bit of trouble, you know, as a a young man at that age. And so I'm like, I'm I'm thinking, what did I do? Uh Uh-oh, he looks pretty mad. And so, you know, we we creep down there, and he's like, what are you guys doing in the bleachers? You shouldn't be ready. You shouldn't be changed. Your teammates are out there. What are you doing acting like this is all about you? This team is not about you. It is about a team. And I learned that day, oh, my gosh, (laughs) Like, varsity coach just yelled at us, but it was a good kind of a humbling spanking. It it was orienting of like, dude, this Saturday is not about you. And he said, you should be on the sidelines cheering your brothers on because some of them might even win because they know their bros are for them. And we were like shell-shocked a little bit, you know. I'm so, honestly, I'm glad now looking back at that, I'm so glad that I had teachers and coaches that were not afraid to rebuke a kid, quite honestly, and teach them a little bit of character. That was really character forming inside me. And it taught me not about wrestling, it taught me about life. That, hey man, when you're on a team, it's about the team. When you're on a team, it's not about your little show or whatever you're doing or when you feel like your thing is insignificant or not done yet. It's about the whole team. You know, this church is a team. We are, we're a team. I think, I think we don't think about church enough as a team. We think of it like a movie, like it's a thing I'm going to go do, or it's a restaurant I'm going to go try instead of it's a team. Well, two years ago, we started a little team thing, and it was this stewardship campaign. And it was never really about raising money. It was about the impact that we really felt like God wanted us to have long-term in a specific area, that there are things that were supposed to happen in our lifetime, and what happened after, after that, 
and that we should prepare. We should, we should take our stand as a team. We should make it count. We should make it matter. And part of that understanding was, um, hey, sometimes the, the going is going to get tough. And when the going gets tough, the tough don't just get going. They lock arms with the other tough ones. They say, hey, man, this is our team now. Don't nobody go getting in the shower yet. All right? Don't go change out of your singlet yet because there's still stuff to do. And we got to do it together. And so this is what we said. This is what we said the vision was. I'm just going to read it to you like we said it then. We will create a community hub that engages the heart of our city. Connecting family, leisure, and worship in one space is a beacon of hope for the drawing of the lost and the raising of a new generation of kingdom bringers. The full vision will engage our community and catapult the effectiveness of our children's ministry and worship experience. And you know, we're pretty aggressive. We're pretty ambitious at the time. I don't know that all of you were there, but we're pretty stirred up. We said, hey man, we're going to raise $800,000 just as part of phase one, just to get us started in the right direction. And the good news is we've raised over half of that already. That's pretty, that's pretty doggone good. But what I want to do today is I want to review that vision with you because I want us to remember that this is a team thing. This is something that we're locking arms together and saying, I really believe that God's called our team to make this thing happen. And it's really, it's, it's a privilege to have vision at all. I don't know if, if you've done life a long time on a team or a part of an organization or a part of anything, a part of just maybe your own life, where it's kind of vague. It's kind of like, what are we doing again? Like, I don't even know what we're doing. Vision is important. Vision gives us the big picture. Vision tells us this is what God could do through a group of people that are just willing to not give up. And it can be a new thing, and it can be a fruitful thing that bears fruit now, but even long after. We're not even around anymore. And so I want to talk to you about how Jesus loves to bring us plenty through the little that we have. And there's, there's some really good news, and there's a little bit of bad news. And the good news, it, it, it can be a little bit discouraging, even though there is good news. Hey, man, yeah, we're halfway there. Right, over 400,000, that's, that's wonderful. Um, and at the same time, we're two years in, it was supposed to be a three-year campaign. So what that, what that means is we're a little bit behind. Even though we, we had $800,000 in pledges, some of those people, you know, stuff happens in life and you gotta back out or, you, you know, life changed. And other people, you know, they, they've already finished and it's like amazing. And so praise God for that. And there's other folks who they have yet to start and there's other folks, the majority of folks who, if you were a part of this, you're still just faithfully doing it every week, every month. It's really fantastic. And there's this whole COVID thing now. It throws a wrench in things a little bit. I'm, I'm happy to say it hasn't really affected this campaign a ton at all. In fact, it's positioned us to do some things a little bit faster. We were able to, while, while nobody was here, we got to like really improve the building. We improved the uh, we, got, we got the first steps of the children's ministry lobby in place. There's more detail to add to that, but we got that started, and that was, we were able to take a little bit of time with that. We, we made important digital upgrades, so the, so the fact that there's a digital worship experience at all that isn't just a home movie of this um, is because of For Those to Come. And that's really awesome, and there's more to do. There's more upgrades to do in here, not just that screen. There's a ton more, and there's a ton more out there. And that's all fantastic. But also... Here's the tough news. Since COVID started, there's been a dramatic drop-off in giving. And it really wasn't that way right at first. 
But, you know, I mean, people, I, I guess they lose jobs and, and things just begin to not look so optimistic after a while. And so, as of last month, we were 10% down of where we were last year. That means people are giving 10% less than they did or, or fewer people are giving or whatever. Now, that's discouraging because we don't, we don't like have a ton of margin. Like We do this in such a way that we're trying to spend every nickel of God's in a helpful and fruitful way. But then last month, or this month, this, this month was, as of midweek, was a little over 50% of a normal month. I've never seen that. Okay, what I mean is, for the most part, it's, it's pretty even keel throughout the year, right? Like some months are similar to others, but it's mostly the same folks tend to give and they tend to give the same amounts. But to drop almost 50% in 30 days, wow. That blew, I've never seen that before. And so what does that tell us? It says, um, okay, church, you got to make some plans about how you're going to navigate that thing. Because you can't remain a church and do that forever. You can make all these plans for those to come, and that's really good, and you should. But you better plan on right now. You better plan on between now and February, because if the boat don't stay afloat, then you can't build anything. Some would ask, well, Carter, then why? Why are you even building stuff at all? Why are we staying focused on things in the future? Well, here's why. Because I firmly believe not only in God and his willingness to make sure his church um, is moving forward, the gates of hell won't prevail against it. But honestly, I just believe in you. Like, I believe you guys are God's people, and I know that everybody, you know, they get kicked in the gut from time to time, and unexpected things happen and all that. And I really believe in you, and I believe that history is a wonderful teacher, and here's what happens. Pandemics end, and people have this really weird, strange, like, desire that they can't seem to get rid of, and it's to be around other people. And thankfully, history has taught us this. Like, there's been plagues in the past. And every time, you know what happens afterward? It's scary and it's hard. And then people, you know, like, oh, is it safe? And then they, they come back together. Because humans, for some reason, love humans. And they have to be together. And it doesn't all just work online. Like, they, they, they come together. They have to be together. And so it would be foolish of us to say, hey, man, well, you know, let's abandon the vision just because the road to the vision was a little rockier in some places than we thought, man, y'all got more resilience than that. I don't think you're going to just like go up and take a shower and then go up into the bleachers and be like, well, I mean, let's just see what happens. That's not who these people are. These people are fierce. They're going to see a victory. Like they raised their sword and they're like, bring it, devil. This is our finest hour. So here's the danger, though, for all of God's people, just like Jesus' disciples. Jesus' disciples had a way sometimes of saying, I can see a problem out there. Jesus, I think you've got a problem. Or I think God's got a problem or they've got a problem. And, and they really weren't always so good like us of saying, God wants to solve problems through me. That's, that's God's main way. It's not that God ever needs us, but he always likes to solve problems through us. So let me give you the background. Here's what's happening. Jesus has just been on like a little ministry stint with his disciples. They've been off and they've been doing, they've been casting out demons and all kinds of disciple things. And they're really tired. And so Jesus is like, hey, man, let's go get some time away. Let's rest. He's being a good shepherd. Hey, let's rest this thing. We got to get some strength back. And Jesus finds out that his cousin, John the Baptist, probably the, the one only person on earth who even a little bit understands who Jesus is, is executed. 
And so Jesus gets this hard news. And right when he's like processing, right when he's emotionally processing, they get ripped out of their rest time because Jesus sees these crowds, they found him. It's like the height of his, of his popularity and the crowds, they're gonna find him, man. And so they find him. There's all the crowds out there. But you know how Jesus is. He can't say no. He loves these little sheep. So Matthew 14, verse 13 says, Now when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. When he heard about John. But when the crowds heard it, that he was there, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went to shore, he saw a great crowd. And he had compassion on them. And he healed their sick. Let's talk about three team exercises to prepare, to prepare for those to come. These are team exercises. We're going to look at some team exercises that we need to do to get our heads in the game. You know, back in those days when I was on the wrestling team, sometimes we'd have a meet. You know, we get a meet is like a, is like a, it's like a game, but they call it a meet. Um, we'd have a meet or two, and, and we get kind of halfway into the season, and the coach would say, okay, you guys are clearly forgetting some of the fundamentals, Right? Like your sprawls are getting all sloppy. Your takedowns aren't working real well. We need to go back and review the basic things that you learned at the very beginning because it's showing up in your wrestling. And so today we're going to go to God's word and we're going to review some of the fundamentals to prepare for those three team exercises. Number one, see and have compassion. That's what Jesus did in verse 14. He went to shore and he saw a great crowd. That saw means they became visible to him. It, he understood in his sight, hey, there is a crowd of people, and I'm getting that they're a crowd. And the scripture says, and he had compassion on them. His heart swelled. Even though he's hurting, we've probably all been there. You know what it's like when you're hurting, but somebody shows up, and like they need something. Like, like the homeschool on Zoom thing that you're trying to figure out is just like tearing you apart, and then you get bad news through somebody's text. Or the project at work that you're trying to figure out, you realize, wow, I just lost that client, honestly, because of something somebody on my team did. And you're going through a hard thing, and then somebody shows up to you and be like, I got a problem that I feel like you're the only one who can solve. Well, that's how Jesus is feeling right now, but he's feeling compassion because Jesus is always desiring to help you, to help me, to help the people around you. He's always looking at it through eyes of compassion. And I, I really am starting to believe as I get older, if we're ever not seeing things through eyes of compassion, we're not seeing them Jesus' way. Jesus is always seeing it through eyes of compassion. I'm so thankful for the people in my life that remind me to see things through eyes of compassion. Because if I was there like with these disciples and I saw all these crowds coming, I'd be like, all right, Jesus, we got to get a shortcut out of here. You know, like I got stuff to do. I can't be late tonight. There's some, you know, there's some crock pot on and I need to get back to the lady, you know, and I'm trying to figure out how we're going to organize so we don't have to be around these folks. Jesus is like, no, I need to be around them. I need to get to these people. Are there people in your life that God is seeking to be kind to that you're just missing? You're just not seeing them. Matthew 9, 36, this is just Jesus' way. In a different time, he said, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. There's people in our lives today, right now, they're scared, they're worried, they're addicted, they're being bullied, and they're harassed like those little sheep. And we gotta understand, hey, whatever else is going on, Jesus' heart is beating for them. 
He's like, I care. And, and you might want to move on and get back to the crockpot, but I care about these people. I want to get to them. Now, Jesus is Jesus. So Jesus just sees that stuff. That's like natural for Jesus to do it. A little less natural for some of us. I've found that unless I pray, God, open my eyes, help me see the pain around me, I'll just stay on my own agenda, facing the phone, trying to get stuff done, instead of see these people around me that God has put in our community, in your relational networks. See, so it's not, it's not always a cause somewhere. It's people in your sphere that we're just not seeing. We're, just, we're moving too fast. And God says, do you see them? So we, we gotta ask. God, will you open my eyes? Don't give me a heart that hits the showers right now. Don't just, hey, I, my thing's done here. No, what about the team? What about what God is doing in a moment? We gotta ask that, that question. And, and when we do, when we begin to pray, I don't know if you've noticed this, a light starts to go on in our hearts. They start to see things a little bit differently. When I pray, I get a little softer. And I start to realize, oh, maybe there's some places I'm kind of being selfish and, and maybe I'm not hearing certain messages that I need to be hearing. And it's only as I pray, my heart begins to get soft and I get to see that there's other things outside of me. But we've got to pray and we've got to remember, dude, why are we here? You're here to help people. That's what you're here to do. You're here to love God, but also help people. That's why the New Testament made such a big deal out of, hey man, meet pressing needs. Find people that need something and go get it for them. Because it teaches us to be a servant, but it alleviates pain, which is what Jesus wants. Verse 15, now when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, this is a desolate place and the day is now over. Send these crowds away to go into the villages and buy food for themselves. So these guys are, they're thinking ahead. They're like, I know what's coming here. You know, these, these precious crowds, you know, they show up and they're, they're so enamored with Jesus, who wouldn't be, that they're forgetting about basic stuff. They're a little bit absent-minded, like, how we, did anybody bring lunch? Like, what are we going to do here? And, and again, I, I'm with these disciples. I'm like, all right, what's the quickest way to line these people up, funnel them out? Jesus, we need a game plan here so that they don't just all end up starving. Now, to their credit, clearly they care a little bit. They care enough to be like, we don't want these people stranded out here in the desert without anything to eat. And we, we care. We look around in our world. We see pain. And, I mean, you see it. You see it on the news. You see violence and you see riots. You see people really wrestling with forgiveness. And these people getting hurt and, and reading things and being just taken apart because of what they're seeing. We see the pain. Even when we don't see everything, we still know that it's there. And we do this kind of like what they do. I'm really good at this. I don't know if you guys are good at this. I'm really good at going to Jesus and be like, God, I've got a great idea. We need to get you involved. We need for God to do something. And that's even, like, there's truth to that. Like, I mean, you'll hear this, you know, until God does something, nothing's going to change. Yeah, but God doesn't tend to do something until we do something. You need his power. You can't do it without him, but he doesn't tend to do it unless we start, right? And so we, they, they got this great idea. Jesus, here's an idea. Why don't you do something? And I love Jesus' response, verse 16. But Jesus said, they need not go away. You give them something to eat. Jesus like, I got a better idea. How about you guys do something? Now, it's going to be really awesome because you're not even going to be able to do it. I'm going to cause something to happen through you. You don't even have what it takes 
yet, but that's going to be the solution is you having it and making it happen. Jesus says, now don't worry, I'm going to get glory out of it. I'm going to do a miracle, but I'm going to provide for these people through you. Not just through me. Jesus can do whatever he wants. Jesus could, and it's done. He doesn't need them to do anything. Why is he including them? Because he wants them to see that God uses people to get his works of compassion and love done. The kingdom comes through God saying, I'm going to inspire you to believe me about maybe hard, challenging things. I mean, that was a challenge. How many think that was a challenge when they heard that? Like, whoa, what? How's that going to work? We're going to give something we don't even have? He says, yep, that's how I'm going to provide for these folks. I, I love to see that Jesus, he's, he's so uh, earnest about making sure they know it's got to come through you. It's not just that Jesus, Jesus did not just multiply stuff so that there's plenty to feed. He said, disciples, I'm going to get you involved here. Jesus could have filled everybody's belly just thinking about it. He said, I'm going to fill everybody's belly with Pop-Tarts and Frosted Flakes. And, and it was done. They wouldn't even know that they ate. And they're just, oh, we're, we're cool. Of course he can do that. But he says, no, guys, I need to get you involved. So that's number two. Hear Jesus say, you do something about it. You do something about it. We'd be like, Jesus, here's all this stuff going on, and, and this is something we resist, but we need to not resist it. Jesus says, let me give you the burden of that thing. And we, we don't want burdens. We're like, I got burdens. Jesus said, not, not to fear. I'll carry the burden with you. But Jesus wants to give us stuff that we need him to carry. If you, when, you, when we let God, we say, God, is there anything else you want to like lay on me where I will start to feel a responsibility for this? Where I'll feel like you're assigning me something? If we ask for burden, I'll tell you what, man, it puts a fire under you. Like, yeah, you, you, gotta, you gotta do it. But you're kind of like energized to do it. Like, I gotta do it. I would love to do it. It would make me feel it's just like scratching an itch. If I can just alleviate this burden that God has assigned to me. And so that's the question is, are you asking for burden? Are you asking, are you going to Jesus and say, Lord, I, you, you see, we got all these problems, Jesus. Is there anything you want me to do about this? Is there anything, is there any way you want to assign me more or any way you want to include me that I'm really not thinking about? Do you have a burden for me about this problem that I see, but step two is for me to come to you to get the burden? Of course, some of us would say, you know, God, I don't know, man. I just like to kind of mind my own business. You know, I'm sure everyone's going to be fine. People just end up fine. It all works out. Maybe we should just leave everybody alone. And can I just tell you, that's hitting the showers right there. That's not what this is. See, it's not enough. It is not enough for God's people to say, well, I'm just going to get through my own trials. I'm just going to fight my own battles. I'm just going to win what I need to win. That's not enough. Get out of the bleachers and get down by your team and start cheering them up because they might win just because you were there. See, it's not enough for us to say, well, we were here and we did what we were supposed to do. No, we need to build fortresses, strongholds of truth and justice and peace and Jesus and the gospel being loud. And we need to say, hey, hey, we built this for y'all. Now come in. This is here. It mattered that we were here. It's not enough for me to pass my own tests. I need to help the folks coming pass their tests. I'm not just beating back the devil so he leaves me alone. We are beating him down so he shuts up for a while. And we're building something so that others can, so that others, wow, wow. they cared about us. They prepared for us. I'm so glad when I came to know Jesus, people had prepared for it. 
People had given money. People had set up organizations. People had just built things that were placed divinely, supernaturally for me to walk in and be like, oh, praise God, it's easy for me to find out about Jesus. It's easy. They have all the stuff they need. It was super helpful. I mean, you, you parents know this. You don't want just your kids to be like, well, I hope you do well. You don't, like, they get to be 18, you're like, I don't know, man, figure something out. Like, we carried you this far. You know, you know that's not how you're thinking about it. You're thinking, I want to give them every advantage that I could possibly give them. I want to push them forward. I want them to like, take what we had and then some. I want them to be sprinting out of here with power and passion. And here's the deal. If we don't do that, then all of our victories, they are temporary and they are shallow. If the whole thing is swallowed up in death the moment that we step away for a second, now we need to build it. We need to say, Jesus, would you give us the burden? Would you lay it on us to make it count for the master? And so that's your next application, God, to ask him, God, what do you want me to do? Is there more I need to do in my work context, in my family context, in my church context? What do you want me to do to be a part of the alleviation of suffering? Not just the one who can identify it. And then number three, Verse 17, they said to him, we have only five loaves here and two fish. We have only. So Jesus is all we have. That's number three, bring your only. Bring your only. This is all we got. Hey, Jesus, we'd like to help. What do you want me to do? It's like 15,000 people here. I got five loaves and two fish. How am I supposed to do anything with this? And that's what we do. I mean, you, you, you all, this would be easy for you. You could easily compare, compared to people you know, you've only got X, right? I mean, I don't have that, I've only got this. What, what am I supposed to do with this? This won't even solve the problem. But you know how Jesus is. He says, I want to bring plenty through your only, but you have to give me the only for me to bring the plenty. That's how Jesus rolls, man. And here's why this is so hard. Because we have a need for security. And the easiest place to put that security is in, is in our money. Is in our stuff. Because it's super visible. And, we're, and we all just, we have these little plans that we make. Well, hey, man, if everything goes to hell, at least I got these things. It's my only, but it's, it's what I got. And Jesus, we make these little, we make these little security bases we say, I've got to hold on to this so that I'm okay. And Jesus knows that we need security. He doesn't condemn us for it. He says, I know you guys want to feel secure. That's why I don't want you to get your security in things or people that are ultimately going to be taken away. I want you to put your security in me because I'll never go away and I'll never leave you. And the fact that you even have that only is only because I gave you that only. And I can give you plenty for your only. That's why he said in Matthew 6, 19, do not lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Somebody say perspective. Treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If someone has myopic sight, that means that they're short-sighted. They see here, but they can't see the bigger picture. And we've taken that myopic word and we've applied it in our culture to people that are kind of short-sighted about life. They always see right now, 
But for some reason, they can't see the big picture of where, where's this all going? And what happens after all this? And Jesus says, I don't want you to be spiritually myopic. I want you to understand there's more to it than your match. There's more to being on this team than just you feeling like you're done early in the morning. Jesus says, give me your only because it's through your only that I'll bring my plenty. We say, oh, Jesus, but what if I need it? I'm going to ask a question at the end of the day. I have these five loaves and two fish. There are 15,000 people. <laughs> Maybe we can divide this by 12. I don't know. What if I need it? And here's the secret. Verse 18. And he said, bring them here to me. Bring it to me. I know you only have your only. But Jesus says, bring it to me and see what I can do. I'm not asking you to do the miracle. I'm asking you to participate in it. Jesus doesn't think you and I can do miracles, but he does want our participation. He says, the miracle begins, I begin the multiplying when you do the bringing. Verse 19, then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass and taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven, got, he looked in the right place, said the blessing, and broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds. Obviously, we're talking about money, but we're talking about other things too. We're talking about time. We're talking about whatever you, you whatever the, the, the Holy Spirit, I know you think this is your only, whatever that is, he wants to get involved in that. And sometimes we're, we're withholding our only in different places. Maybe it's even just time with somebody, or I don't feel like I can give myself to go serve in that capacity. Whatever it is, whatever that only is, sometimes we can't move forward because Jesus is like, I, I got nothing to work with, man. Bring me the five loaves you got. Because I can do something with that. But you can't move forward until, until you give that over. And so here's what we want to do. First, this coming week, I'm going to ask you to pray. I'm going to ask you to go to God, just like I just said. And ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, is there any other way you want me to participate with this church financially? For those to come? Or just regular tithing? What do you want me to do? And here's, here's I was just to tell you, man, you guys know this. We're not into compulsion. We're not into pressure. And so this is your first day. Sorry, this, you get this. But um, if you're checking out fears, then you're not, you're not really on the team yet, so you don't have to worry about it. But if you are on the team, this is your home, I'm asking you to honestly go to Jesus and say, what else? What else do you want me to do? And Jesus, give me the grace. If I find five loaves and two fish, if you make me aware of that, then I'm going to re-up. And so next weekend, we're going to come back in every version online and house churches and right here. And we're just going to say, hey, let's do a recommitment if God has led you to do that thing. And we're going to re-up on our, for those to come, pledges. For those who that was a part of what you were doing. Or maybe it's, you weren't around here then, but now you want to get in on that. Or for some of you, that might look like, you know, you've been rocking it, but I'm going to extend my pledge for another year because it's actually going to take another year for us to do this. Or for some of you, you're saying, I haven't really been giving as a thing that I do for my walk with God, but I recognize now that you can't really grow your walk with God and avoid the generosity conversation. And so I'm going to start right there. Whatever you do, dude, it's cool. Like, I trust you. I, I'm not just blowing smoke. I really believe that y'all are going to be led by God and you're going to do whatever God tells you to do. And guys, you know this. I don't, we don't bring the hammer here. 
We model the right thing, but we don't bring the hammer. Like, just be led by God and do whatever he tells you. But let me, let me put this asterisk in it. If you're giving to, for those to come, but not tithing, can I ask you to flip that thing? Because we need to make it. Like, we need to make it to February. And so that's really essential that we don't have, we, we're doing, I mean, it's kind of ironic. We're doing awesome at for those to come. <laughs> it's just the monthly bills that are now beginning to get twisty and concerning. And here's what's going to happen. It's not going to be magic. We're not going to have a big to-do about it. You know, back, back when we started, we had like this big, I don't know, it was like a parade thing where, hey, I'm putting my pledge in. Anyway, I mean, it was sweet. It was significant. But I'm just saying, we're not doing that at this point. All we're doing is we'll have electronic versions or whatever, little cards maybe, but it'll just be real between you and Jesus. But it's not magic. It's faith. It's, it's saying, this is my only Jesus. And we're just like Jesus, we're going to look to heaven. I say, it's not, it's not a lever I'm pulling. It's God that does it. God blesses it. But when he blesses it, it's personal. And he turns my only into his plenty. And we're going to ask him to multiply it. Now, check this out. Verse 20. This is it right here. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces, of the broken pieces left over. And those who ate were about 5,000 men besides women and children. 12 baskets full? That's, you didn't even start with that. You only had five loaves and two fish. You got 12 baskets full? What do you think God is trying to say there? He's trying to tell everybody, there's, tw- there's 12 apostles right there, dude. 12 baskets, 12 apostles. There's a lesson here. God is saying, you can't outgive God. Guys, you can't outgive. If you participate in my miracle, you can't outgive me, God says. I'll just give it back, press down, shake it together, and make room for more and running over. Now, these guys were so smart, they were probably handing it out as they went. They got their, their basket. I'm just going to give it away because I just saw Jesus multiply it. That's how God works. What is God trying to do? He's not trying to take something from us. He's trying to give us something. But he wants the character. Somebody say character. He wants the character formed. Man, I really loved my little quote-unquote career in wrestling. But that day, that first tournament, that was probably the most important day of my entire stint at wrestling. And it, because it had nothing to do with muscle or technique, it had to do with character. It shaped a whole lot of things that came after that. So I just want to challenge you, if there's a little enemy in your ear that says, well, you know, here you go again, it's all about money, slap that thing in the mouth and say, this is about character. This is about deciding, you know what, God's people are generous and I'm going to embrace the training. God does this. He says, this is going to test your whole life, and you can either resist it or you can get it. Listen, if you go to another church, you'll get this message there. I'm just telling you. Jesus will chase you down because he's determined he's going to complete the good work he began in everybody, and he's trying to get this lesson. It's only when you give your only that you get my plenty. That's how it works. And if you don't give your only, you'll slowly start to lose your only because he's a good daddy, and he's sweeter And he's a better father figure than even Mr. Tiffany. He's determined to form Christ in this church and in each one of us individually. So can I just encourage you? I'm so glad I didn't miss that lesson. Don't miss your lesson. Let's get this. Let's get it as a church. Let's bow our heads. Yeah, God, I want to thank you that you are the everlasting father. I think that you're not trying to like get something from us. You're trying to show us miracles. 
You're trying to get us to understand the principle of plenty for only. And so, Lord, I pray that you just speak to us. And I know that there may be different applications for different ones who are listening right now. Whatever their only is, if it's whatever sphere it's in, I pray that you would make it crystal clear this week. Where do you want them to willingly lay down what is in their hands so that you can give us what's in yours? In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us. Special thanks to those of you who give generously to support this ministry. It's because of you that this is possible. You can click on the link in the description to give now or visit fierce.church for more information. If you enjoyed this, why not subscribe, share it with your friends, click on the share button and take a screenshot and then share it on social media or your social stories. Hey, whatever challenges you're facing, I know you can make it. Don't give up. Hang on to Jesus. He won't let go of you. Thanks for listening.